print, easier to see. And so when I'm running back and forth on the platform, I can see the verses. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I don't do that. Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 9, if you will. Romans chapter number 9. And um, kind of going to end up in the same chapter that we really kind of began this study in. Romans chapter number 9. And uh, we're going to begin reading down in verse number uh, 18. Uh, I'm sorry, verse number 17 and uh, down through verse number 18. Romans chapter number 9. And we'll begin in verse 17. For the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, Even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Therefore... He hath mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Thou wilt say unto me, uh, uh, let's see, uh, did I get the right passage here? Am I reading the right passage? Seven, yeah, 17. Oh, yeah, okay, yep. Uh, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. And so uh, he deals here with uh, an illustration of uh, Pharaoh's heart being hardened. And he speaks of this. Uh, in Romans chapter number 9. Uh, there are several questions regarding this that I think need to be answered, and we're going to look at these tonight from several passages. Uh, one of them is, does God harden hearts? Well, uh, the answer to that is obviously yes, because there are numbers of times throughout Scripture that the Bible says not only did God work on somebody and they hardened their own heart, but that God hardened their hearts. Uh, and there are several instances of this, and there are some places that it won't use the word hardened, but it gives the same sense that um, there was a, a, um, a solidifying of a hardness that was already there, which is, is the concept of the hardening of the heart uh, that the Bible speaks of. The second question, I think, that has to be asked in this is, does this hardening then take away from man's free will? And so we're going to look at Scripture. We're going to obviously uh, make sure that we are in agreement with other passages uh, because that is the key, the key thing, is that whatever we decide this is talking about, it has to agree with every other portion of Scripture and cannot be in disagreement for that. So we're going to deal with the issue of uh, does the hardening that God does of men's hearts um, negate that person's free will uh, to choose? The, fourth, or the third question I have that we're going to try to answer this evening through the, the Bible is, does God harden the hearts of those who do not deserve it? Does God harden the hearts of those who do not deserve it? And as we look at Scripture tonight, I think that question will become a little more apparent and, and a little further understanding on it. Um, the fourth question is, does this mean that God hardens them regarding salvation? Does this mean that God hardens them regarding salvation? So four questions. Does God harden hearts? I think we already know the answer to that, but we're going to look at that in Scripture. Secondly, does the hardening take away from man's free will? Thirdly, does God harden the hearts of those who do not deserve it? And fourthly, does this mean that God hardens them regarding salvation? You might be surprised at some of the answers, but again, we're going to take the Bible and see what it has to say about it. Um, so look with me again, if you will, in verse number 18. Verse number 18. And uh, he says, uh, Therefore he hath mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. Now, 
this is a key verse in understanding this because we just spent two weeks dealing with the issue of election, predestination, and foreknowledge. And I told you all last week that the issue of foreknowledge is very critical to understanding the issue of hardening of the hearts. Uh, that we understand that God knows already what the free will choice of a man is going to be. And that's hard for us to imagine because we can't see ahead in future things, but God does. And He knows things that are going to come to pass. Uh, God is not surprised by the choices that we make. There's never a point where we do something and God goes, "Uh uh-oh, I wasn't expecting that. He knew that was the choice we were going to make. That does not mean that he determined that we would have to make that choice. And that's the key that we've looked at the last couple of weeks. And it's very critical to understand that. So when we look at verse number 18, he says here, "For uh, Therefore he hath mercy on whom he will have mercy. And we're going to stop there for a moment because that's the issue we've dealt with the last several weeks. Uh, does God choose people to be saved and some not to be saved? And we, we explained that he chose to give the choice to men. And that was his choice. And that was done by his own will. He left the the method of salvation in the hands of men to have a free will choice in the matter. They can either choose to accept what God has offered to them or they can choose to reject it. So what Paul is dealing with here in verse number 18 is the same way that God chooses to have mercy on whom he will have mercy, that that was of his will. He does the same thing with the hardening. He hardens those, and I want you to understand this, that if he has mercy on those that receive and accept the truth of the gospel and put their faith in him for that mercy. He does the same thing with the hardening. He hardens the hearts of those who reject that truth and who deny that they want the gospel. We're going to look at this and show that from Scripture here, Lord willing, in the next several moments. Let's go ahead, if you will, and turn with me to Exodus chapter number 4. He talks about Pharaoh here in Romans 9 and the fact that uh, he uses him as an illustration of um, uh, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. And so let's go back to the uh, original account of it in Scripture, which is in Exodus. It begins in Exodus chapter number 4. And uh, we're going to go through a number of Scriptures here. So keep your Bibles handy. We'll look at probably, I would say, maybe 10 or 12, maybe 15 verses in Exodus. So keep your Bibles handy here. And uh, the first time that we see this being dealt with in the book of Exodus is here in chapter 4, and as we get to verse number uh, 21, God has already given Moses some instructions. He tells him that he's supposed to go and uh, present himself to Pharaoh and tell him to let the children of Israel go. And uh, Moses, is, they've already had their, their discussion of why he's not worthy, he can't do it, he's, his tongue's imperfect, and, and all the excuses Moses had, and, and we all know that story. When it's all said and done, at verse number 21, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thine hand. But I will harden his heart, and he shall not let the people go. So there's two things he says here. He says, I will harden his heart. Now, that's critical that we understand this. He doesn't say, I have hardened Pharaoh's heart. I think that's crucial in understanding this and understanding how God determines the hearts that he's going to harden. Uh, So he he starts off by saying, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And then he goes on to say, uh, and the hardening of the heart is going to be such that he's not going to let the people go. When you tell him to do it, the hardening of his heart 
is not whether he's trusting me as his God and Savior, but in regards to letting the people go, understanding that. Okay, so we're not dealing here with an issue of salvation. We're dealing here with an, an issue of obedience to God at this point. Now, there's another place we'll look and we'll see a little further uh, how that issue of salvation ties into this. But uh, very important that we understand that he's not yet hardened Pharaoh's heart, but he will. He's going to in, in, in a future time. All right, now, that being said, let's go ahead and skip forward to the end of that chapter and go into chapter number 5 and verse number 1. So God gave him all these instructions uh, through the end of chapter 4. And they go first to the children of Israel. They say, God has sent us here to deliver you. And they told the children of Israel, here's what we're going to do. The children of Israel didn't even believe them. <laughs> they, they had a hard time about it. In fact, uh, uh, some of them were, there were some that believed, but there were some that were kind of wondering what was going to happen uh, here after we get to verse number 5, or chapter 5 and verse number 1. And so while there was an initial acceptance of it, they, they began to complain very quickly afterwards. But look in verse number 1. The Bible says, And afterward Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh. So this is their first presentation into Pharaoh. Uh, and said, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Now I want you to notice what Pharaoh says here. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And this is the first time that we see a hardening of Pharaoh's heart, but it is not yet God who is doing it. Pharaoh's hardening his own heart here. And you say, well, how do you know that? Well, we're going to read a few more verses, and you'll see how he hardens his own heart first. And Pharaoh says, verse number 2, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us, let us go, we pray thee, three days' journey into the desert, and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. And the king of Egypt said unto them, so this is Pharaoh again, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works get you unto your burdens? And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. So he says, Listen, you're saying that these people need they are going to go take a break. I'm telling you, get back to work. And that's really what he's saying here. But he doesn't just say, get back to work. Look at the consequence of Moses and, Pharaoh, or Moses and Aaron coming to Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. The Bible says in verse number 6, And Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers, saying, Ye shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And the tail of the bricks which they did make heretofore, ye shall lay upon them. Ye shall not diminish aught thereof, for they be idle. Therefore they cry, saying, Let us go and sacrifice to our Lord. Let their more work be laid upon the men, that they may labor therein, and let them not regard vain words. This is what hardening of the heart epitomizes. Moses and Aaron come to Pharaoh, said, you're, you're working the people. God has told you to let them go. You need to let them go. And Pharaoh says, not only am I not going to let them go, but now I'm going to make them work even harder. And you see the hardening here. You see him determining to not listen to what God said. Did God give him the truth? Yes, he did. He, he, he gave it to him through Moses and Aaron. He rejects it. 
and he hardens himself, he stiffens himself even harder. There's an Old Testament word that's used often in the Scriptures uh, regarding being a stiff-necked people. And what that means is not only are they rebellious, but every time there's any draw to bring them from that, they harden themselves even more so to it. Um, I got a new dog a while back, and we're in the process, hopefully, of training him to recall. And so we keep him on a collar, we keep him on a leash, and we let him go a certain distance from us, and then I try to recall him, and the idea is he's to come. If he doesn't, I pull the, the, the thing and give him some correction in that. What I have found is, oftentimes, when I tug, he tugs and he tugs harder. And the harder I tug, the harder he tugs. That's the idea of stiff neck. That's the idea of what the Bible uses here as hardening. So we find that at this point, still, God has not yet hardened Pharaoh's heart. Any hardening that's been done up to this point has been Pharaoh's own doing. He, he's, he's I'm, I'm the leader here. You don't tell me what to do. And in fact, since you tried, here's the consequence for it. I'm going to make it even worse on him. And this is Pharaoh's own doing. We have no indication from Scripture that God is the one that has done this yet, but he has promised that he will do it. All right? So let's move now to, uh, we're going to read down through, uh, or go over to chapter number 7 and verse number 1. Chapter number 7 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh, <clears throat> and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, and he shall send the children of Israel out of his land, and I will, and there it is again, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. So this is indication that up to this point, God has not yet hardened Pharaoh's heart. But we do see that there was a hardening, wasn't there, in chapter 5. There was a stiff-neckedness. There was a abrasiveness against what God had said. There was a pushback against it. Um, so, so understand Pharaoh's condition before God hardens his heart. All right? Very important that we understand this. Now look with me in uh, just a little bit further down in verse number 10. Same chapter, verse number 10. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers, now the magicians of Egypt. They also did in like manner with their enchantments, for they cast down every man uh, his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods, and he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. Now, there's two ways that you could read this verse. Uh, you could read that the Lord is dealing with Moses and Aaron early in the chapter, and that, that when it refers to he, it's referring to God. There's also the possibility, because it's not distinctly clear here, uh, that it was the act of Aaron doing what he did that was the, the cause for the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. I say that because every other place in, e in Exodus that deals with God hardening his heart, it says, and the Lord hardened his heart. And the Lord hardened his heart. And there's no doubt about it. There's no ambiguity. There's no confusion there. I'm not going to tell you which one is which because, to be honest with you, it's not definitively clear here. Suffice to say that even if it is the Lord at this point hardening his heart, we find that there are other times after this that Pharaoh again hardens his own heart. And it seems to be a kind of a back and forth 
that every time Pharaoh hardens his heart a little bit, God comes in and hardens it more. And then Pharaoh hardens his heart a little bit more, and it's almost like they're at a tug of war for who's going to win this battle. Uh, and so you can take what you will from uh, verse 13, whether it's the Lord or whether it's Aaron. If it's Aaron that was the cause, when it refers to he, uh, hardened Pharaoh's heart, the actions that he did, uh, then we still haven't seen the Lord hardening the heart yet, but we're getting ready to. If it is the Lord, then this would be the first occurrence of God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Because I want you to understand this, and we're going to see it again in Romans chapter 1 here in just a few moments, that the hardening of God's heart, according to Scripture, seems to not just be a one-time occurrence most of the time. It seems to be that there are several instances of the hardening, almost as if there's a progressive work of it being done. And it lends itself to the idea that God will harden to a point and then give them a chance to repent. If they, if they continue to refuse, he hardens some more, gives them another chance. He continue, they, they, and you see the cycle that goes on here. That seems to be both in, e, in Exodus, in this incident in Egypt, as well as in Romans chapter 1, it seems to be the case. Now, there is a time in Second Thessalonians, and we'll look at that in just a little bit in chapter 2, dealing with end-time events. And we've already talked about this when we studied Revelation. There will come a time where the Bible says that God's wrath will be poured out without mixture. The mercy's gone. And you'll find in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that he hardens their hearts and there is, no, there is no second hardening or third hardening or fourth hardening. It just hardened and the wrath is poured out. Uh, but that's in end time events. That's not today, it seems like, uh, from Scripture. So, again, uh, at this point, let's go ahead and look in verse number 10. Uh, verse number 10. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod. Oh, I'm sorry. I already read that. Uh, let's go to uh, uh, Exodus chapter 7 and verse number 22. All right. Uh, and I'm going back up to verse 20. And Moses and Aaron did as, so as the Lord commanded, and he lifted up the rod and smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants, and all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that was in the river died, and the river stank, and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river, and there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, neither did he hearken unto them as the Lord had said. Again, if we take chapter 7 and verse 13 as the he being Aaron in his actions... I would say that even at this point, God has not yet worked in hardening Pharaoh's heart. Even if he has hardened his heart in chapter 7 and verse 13, we find that Pharaoh once again, even after God had hardened his heart once, seemingly has hardened his own heart. That Pharaoh's heart was hardened, verse number 2. It seems to be of his own accord, uh, the stubbornness that he has regarding this. Uh, let's look in uh, chapter number 8 for a moment. Chapter number 8 and verse number 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, uh, a respite, he hardened his heart and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod and smite the dust uh, of the land, that it may become uh, lice throughout all the land of Egypt. But we find here again that he hearkened uh, not unto the Lord, and he hardened his heart. And here it actually says in verse 15, that Pharaoh was the one that hardened his own heart. 
hardened his own heart. Now let's look in uh, verse number 19, same chapter. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. But within the context, Pharaoh was the one doing the hardening. Verse number 15. So again, we find Pharaoh's had ample time, hasn't he, to respond to the truth of what God had said. Now let's look in Exodus chapter uh, 9 and verse number, uh, I'm sorry, chapter uh, 9 and verse number 7. And Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not one of the cattle of the Israelites dead, and the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. And again, we see it there. This is the first chapter that we will find the Lord hardening his heart. Specifically saying, and the Lord hardened his heart. Let's look in uh, verse number 12. Chapter 9, Exodus chapter 9, verse number 12. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord has spoken unto Moses. So here's what I, in my opinion, this is my opinion, I, I don't know that I can definitively say chapter 7 and verse 13 was speaking of God hardening the heart. I can absolutely definitively say here in chapter 9 and verse number 12 that God has hardened his heart at this point. God is the one that hardened Pharaoh's heart. Now, let me ask you a couple questions about this. Has Pharaoh been given opportunity? Yes. Has he heard the truth? Yes. Has he rejected the truth? Yes, multiple times at this point. Is he well-deserving of the hardening of the heart? Yes, he is. If God hardens his heart and he doesn't do it until chapter 9 and verse 13, can we in good conscience say then that God robbed him of his free will? Absolutely not. Because he has had ample opportunity to choose to do right. And he has not done it. Now let's look in chapter 9 and verse number 34. Chapter 9 and verse number 34. After God hardens his heart in chapter 9 and verse number 12, in verse 34, notice what the Bible says. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunders were ceased, he sinned yet more and hardened his heart. Who's doing the hardening here? Pharaoh. He sinned the more, he hardened his heart more. He and his servants. And the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, neither would he let the children of Israel go. Now in chapter 10, verse 1, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Go in unto Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I might show these uh, my signs before him. So here we have God hardening his heart, Pharaoh hardening his heart more, sinned more, the Bible says, and hardened his heart. And God says, okay, I'll harden your heart more. And he does. Chapter 10, verse number 1. Look in chapter 10, verse number 20. And by this time, it seems to me that God has done... He's going to just continue to harden Pharaoh's heart at this point forward. Uh, let's look in uh, verse number uh, 20 of chapter 10. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the children of Israel go. And verse number 27 of chapter 10. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. Chapter 11 in verse number 10. And Moses and Aaron did all the wonders before Pharaoh and the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. You see how I'm getting to this point where once the Lord starts hardening his heart, there's no doubt about it. We know who's doing it. 
that's why I, I tend to lean probably in chapter 7, 13, that it is referring probably more to Aaron than it is to God hardening the heart there. Because it seems like when God's hardening the heart, it's very plain to see and very clearly stated. Uh, as we get to verse number, uh, chapter number 14, so now he's let him go and he's regretting letting him go. Chapter 14, and let's look at four, uh, chapter 4. Chapter 14 and chapter 4. Now, has God already hardened Pharaoh's heart? Sure he has. Has he done it at least on two or three different occasions? Sure he has. Now, notice what he says here in verse 14. This is after all of the hardening of the heart, whether it be of Pharaoh or of God. Now, look at what it says in chapter 14 of verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel that they turn uh, um, uh, the encamp before uh, the name of that place there, between Migdal and the sea over against Baal Zephon, uh, before it shall ye encamp by the sea. For Pharaoh will save the children of Israel. They are entangled in the land. Uh, the wilderness hath shut them in. And notice this again, verse number 4. And I, what? Will. Notice he doesn't say have, even though he has. He's saying there's going to be another instance, yet again, of me hardening Pharaoh's heart. I think sometimes when we read passages like this and we're saying, okay, I believe God does harden hearts, and we don't go and look in Scripture and understand what this really is dealing with and entailing, we might get the mindset that God just comes out one time and says, I'm hardening your heart, you can never have a conscience again, and once it's hardened, it's hardened, and there's no coming back from that. It's not what I see in Scripture. I see a continued and possibly even a progressive hardening. The only purpose of that that I can find anywhere else that is in agreement with Scripture is that after each of those hardenings, God still in His mercy gives opportunity to repent. He still gives that opportunity for them to come back. Else He would have just hardened it to begin with and taken that conscience completely away at the very beginning. I was listening to one preacher. He made this statement. He said, even though God hardens heart, God's mercy is so great, it can overcome any hardness of the heart. And even though he may have hardened Pharaoh's heart early on in this, in this process, I personally believe that by the way it's written in Scripture, by the fact that there are, seems to be a continued progression of hardening, that at any point in that process, after the first hardening of his heart by God, that Pharaoh would have turned to God, God would have said, I'll, I'll take you. It seems to me this way. Now, we're going to look at some other Scripture and see if it also seems to line up that way. So let's turn to Romans chapter 1. And we're going to look at verse number 18. Romans chapter number 1. We're going to start in verse number 18. <clears throat> Paul says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against what? All ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth. Do we see that? In unrighteousness. Do these men have the truth? Yes or no? Yes, they do. Are they obedient to and following after the truth? No, they're not. Could we say then that of their own free will they made a choice to deny the truth? Absolutely. 
The hardening of the heart does not mean that God negates the free will of man. It also answers the question, does God harden the heart of anyone who does not deserve it? The answer to that is no. He hardens the hearts of those who hold the truth, but they hold it in unrighteousness, or they have rejected it. And we're going to see even further some of the things that they have done with the truth of God. Now, he says this in verse 19, "...because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath what? Showed it unto them." You say, I've heard people say, well, what about people who have never heard the gospel? Can I tell you this? The righteousness of God is revealed in man instinctively. Man who has never heard of the gospel, never even heard of the Bible, has a moral standard. Where did it come from? The righteousness of God. It says here that they are are shown this. It's manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. I was talking to uh, someone last night. And I said, listen, a person who does not believe in God, who is an atheist, did not get that naturally. They had to be taught. They had to be influenced to be that way. Because there is inside of every man a hunger, a thirst for God. He's revealed to every single one of us. Now notice what he says here, verse 20, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. The invisible things. We're not talking about the Bible here. We're talking about the invisible things of God from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Sounds to me like free will. God has given them the choice. They chose otherwise, and God said this is why they don't have an excuse. It'd be one thing if they didn't understand, didn't know, didn't, couldn't see. But God says it's plain. It's clear. Man has seen it so that they are without excuse. Now, notice what it says, verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Let's take that phrase alone. Did they know God? Sure, it says when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and notice what it says here. And their foolish heart was what? Darkened. It uses a little different terminology here, but the same concept. That their heart was darkened. Did God darken the heart? Not here. Their choice, the consequences for their free will choice, has darkened their own heart. But notice what else it says here. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. And by the way, when their heart was darkened, isn't it amazing how wise they thought they were? And changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into the image made like to corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, and any time we see a word wherefore or therefore, he's drawing a conclusion from something he just stated. Men who in verse number 21 uh, glorified knew God, but glorified Him not as God. Because of that, their foolish heart was darkened, and they began to profess themselves to be wise, when they became, and they became fools because of that. They also changed the glory of an uncorruptible God into the image like unto corruptible men, into birds, and four foot things. Wherefore, because of these things, these people had the truth, they knew God, and yet they free will chose to go a different route. Wherefore, because of this, 
God also what? Gave them up unto uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. God gave them up. They dishonored their own body between themselves. And when God gave them up, notice this, who changed the truth. Now, they didn't do this before God gave them up. Their hearts were just darkened. But now, after God has given them up unto the uncleanness, the Bible says now these people are going to go and change the truth of God into a lie. And they're now going to worship and serve the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause, not for the original cause of professing themselves to be wise, not for the original cause of when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, but for the cause of the fact that they were given up unto uncleanness, and because of that, they began to change the truth of God into a lie. And they began to worship the creature more than the creature. For this cause, God what? Gave them up. Wait, we just saw that. Didn't we see that in verse 24? In verse 24, the Bible says, Wherefore God also gave them up unto uncleanness. They go out and do some more things. For this cause, verse number 26, what cause? The cause of the fact that they changed the truth of God into a lie. The cause that they had served the creature more than the Creator. For this cause, God gave them up again unto vile affections. For even the woman did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, uh, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error. Which, by the way, if you ever need a verse that tells you that you can make your own choice, but you don't get to choose the consequences, and even though you may repent of your sin, oftentimes the consequences still have to be borne. It would be this verse. Working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meat. And even as they did not like to notice this, they did not like to what? Retain God in their knowledge. So we have here a few things that happened. In the first thing we see, they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. And God gave them up to some uncleanness and some other things. When they began to change the truth of God, when they began to do some other things, He gives them up into, uh, according to verse number 25, uh, verse number 26, He gives them up under their vile affections. When we get to verse number 28, the Bible says, and as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God now, He doesn't give them up. Notice this, He gives them over. And God gave them over to a, what? Reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient. Why three different times? Why three different giving them up, giving them up, giving them over? Again, it seems like each step of the way, God was hardening the heart because of their response to His previous hardening. Where He was trying to get a hold of their attention, they didn't seem to, they didn't seem to take it. They were stiff-necked about it. They, they rebelled even more. Now, that being said, it's important to note two things. Number one, God knew before He ever hardened that person's heart what their response was going to be. Have there been people that God has chastened that have turned back to Him and repented? Sure. Have there been people that He hardened their hearts that did not turn back and repent? Sure. Do you know that God knew which ones were going to do that before they did it? He didn't determine it. 
but he did know it. We need to keep in mind, number one, God knew the ones that would and wouldn't. And therefore, he, secondly, was absolutely just in hardening the heart. We said it last week, God's justice is perfect. We may look at something God did as a just God and say, that wasn't fair. But we're looking at it through tainted eyes of a sinful flesh who thinks it knows best in the area of justice. And God is the only one who has perfect justice. Now, back to Romans chapter 9 and we'll be done. I said this was going to be short and it wasn't. Chapter number 9, and I want us to look in verse number 1. Chapter 9, verse number 1. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. That I have great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, notice that phrase, to whom pertaineth the adoption and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the service of God and the promises, who are the fathers of whom, uh, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed uh, forever, amen. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. Paul looked out over his country and he said, there's some that did believe and responded to the truth, but there are some who did not. And by the time he gets down to verse number 17 and 18, which is where we began tonight, where the Bible says, and Paul uses the illustration of the hardening of Pharaoh to show that God hardened the hearts of some of the Israelites. He didn't do it arbitrarily. He did not do it to those who did not deserve it. He did it to those who already had rejected him. And he did it for the purpose of getting himself to Calvary. God hardens his heart. And it's interesting because God even can use the hardening of a man's heart to accomplish his purposes. He did so with Pharaoh. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 9 and verse number 17, the Scripture saith unto Pharaoh, even for this same purpose have I raised thee up, that I might show my power in thee, and that my name might be declared throughout all the earth. Some people that read that would say, well, God didn't even give Pharaoh a chance. He raised Pharaoh up. He hardened his heart. Pharaoh had no chance. And he only did it because he wanted to make himself look good in the eyes of the Israelites and in the eyes of the world. But understand, Pharaoh certainly, as we saw in Exodus, deserved it, didn't he? God already knew that Pharaoh's heart was already hardened of his own accord. God still was able to use it. There's four things I want to give you, just lessons I've learned. Number one, these folks that God hardened the hearts of, they knew the truth, but they rejected it. And this is the key, of their own free will. Those that God hardened knew the truth, but rejected it of their own free will. I didn't take time to read 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. If you get a chance, read that. And you'll see that even in the end times, those that he hardened and brought strong delusion to, they were ones who had heard and had turned away from the gospel and despised it. The second lesson, it appears that there seems to be a continued or a progressive hardening that God does this side of, of heaven, which indicates uh, that even in the hardening process, the initial purpose of it, is to still offer an opportunity to repent. With continued rejection, though, we find that verse number 18 of chapter number uh, 9, uh, I'm sorry, uh, chapter uh, 
verse number 18 of Romans chapter 1 takes place. And that is, and I'll read it for you, uh, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness. So with continued hardness, if they do not repent, the end of it is God will bring His judgment on them. It's interesting because the Bible says in Genesis chapter number 3 that the Spirit of God will not always strive with man, meaning that He's constantly trying to get man to come back to Him. And He uses different ways to do that. Hardening, I believe, being one of those things. Number three, the hardness of the heart was already present in the lives of all of the examples we find in Scripture of God hardening their hearts. Their hearts were already hardened, not by God, but by themselves. And number four, it seems to me that the conclusion of the matter is this, that God hardens as a judicial hardening. In other words, as a consequence of them already rejecting the truth of His Word. Lest somebody reads Romans chapter 9 to you and says, this shows that man does not have a free will. This shows that God dictates those that can be saved or can't be saved because God's the one that has mercy on whom He will have mercy and He hardens those that He will harden. You need to understand the truth of it. In all of it, and in light of all of Scripture, the end of the matter of all four weeks that we've been studying is God chose to let man choose. And that is the answer to all of it. So I hope that will help. I know that was a long lesson to get to the conclusion. But I want you to see it in Scripture. It makes a difference when you see, and don't just take it as my word or my opinion, but to see it in Scripture. So I hope that will help you. If you ever come across that or (laughs) uh, struggle with it on your own uh, thoughts, um, hopefully you'll go back to Scripture and understand these things. All right, let's stand together. We'll be dismissed. Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it. May it be a help to those that hear it. Lord, the truth is, you do harden hearts, but only for those that have already